Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. If you don't have the notes for today, you're like, Nate, you're preaching of notes? Yeah, if you don't have the notes and you want them, uh, Mr. Carl Sandstrom's got a handful. Just slip your hand up and keep it up until you have the notes in your hand. Welcome. We're glad you guys are here. Um, thanks, Brooke. If you don't know me, my name's Nate, and uh, I would love to know you if you don't know me. So there you go. Um, we're going to be talking today, excuse me, about God's will. All right. How many of you have heard this phrase before? God's will. How many of you have heard that? How many of you have said it? How many of you have wondered what it really means? Yeah, okay. Me too. Um, I don't, it's a huge, huge topic. Uh, I would say that, uh, I would say that in the church culture today, there, it, you'd struggle to find a topic that there's more confusion or convolution in, in teaching and in doctrine and in usage, and there, there's a few things like that, but this is one of them, and I, I don't assume to have heard all of them, and I don't assume to know all of the right answers, but I'm going to do my best today to bring a little bit of clarity to this, because hopefully you'll leave encouraged, and hopefully you'll, you'll, uh, you'll leave going, hey, God's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Hey, God's a lot uh, more good uh, than I thought he was, right? Come on, you can laugh. Loosen up, jeez. I'm going to start singling people out if you don't laugh. No, I won't. Um, one of the things that we did this at our home group on Friday, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues. It was great. I had a great time. Um, but we need to clearly define terms. Okay, I love Pastor Glenn said, we've been saying for years now about how one of the assaults on not just the church, but culture is, is the redefining of definitions, right? Definitions are like truths. They're absolute. They're not relative, right? It's not, hey, what's your truth? What's my truth? That's not a thing, okay? And it, it's the same, same with definitions. There's definitions, and then there's, hey, well, this is what I think it means. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying that it's really, it's really important to know what we're talking about when we start throwing words out there. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean when you say that? Because I know what I mean when I hear it, but what do you mean when you say it? And that's one of the things I hope to do with this topic of God's will today. Um, before we get into... Uh, before we get into God's will specifically, I'll say just as a foundation for this topic and for this message, you have to have a pretty basic understanding of the character of God, okay? If you don't understand how God is, and we can't understand why or how he wants to do or what he wants or how he desires or what his will is, you can't really know that, okay? If you think that God's mean, that's going to mold your view on how his, or what his heart is desiring for you and for people around you. If you believe God's distant, you won't press in for him to hear you, all right? If you believe that God is just waiting for you to screw up so that he can correct you, you're going to develop a religious spirit and start doing things out of fear and guilt, right, and instead of out of a motivation of love. You know, does this, do you follow me? Yes. Just say yes, even if you don't, so I can keep going. <laughs> 
Um, we have to believe that God is good. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. You have to believe, you have to believe and know that Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus Christ is the exact physical representation of the Father, okay? So you remember in the book of John when Philip comes up to Jesus and he's like, stop talking, you're going to the Father, you're building us a house, where is this going to happen? And, and he's like, if you've, seen the or if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he's like, oh, I get it. No, he didn't say that. All right, he didn't get it then. But, but Jesus was saying, if all your questions that you have about the Father, those answers can be found in me. Okay, so if we're wondering about the character of God, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See how Jesus lived. That's how the Father is. Because he was the exact physical representation of the Father. Okay, so we're like, oh, I think God's probably in a bad mood. Was Jesus in a bad mood? No. I think God probably wants you sick. Well, Jesus actually said that he came to destroy the works of the devil, and he actually spent his time healing the sick. So that just doesn't seem to line up, right? You, you, you see where I'm going. We have to have a basic foundational knowledge of the character of God, that he is good and that he is God. Okay, now you all know that. That's good. All right. The Bible reveals to us that there are several different aspects to God's will. I'm going to cover three today. Okay, and I think, in my opinion, they're the three ones that are worth covering, which is why I'm covering them. Uh, I, I, think that, I think that if you break it down further, it can become a little confusing. And uh, I, in my opinion, these are the three that the Bible seems to, to settle on. So um, um, we're going to go through those. I'm going to give you some biblical examples of all three of them. And, uh, and then we will uh, hopefully, hopefully land in a place where everybody has an aha moment in Revelation from heaven and everyone gets saved again. So. It's every, it's every pastor's dream. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and put the next slide, Sloan. What do these people have in common? Will, Will Ferrell, <laughs> Will Smith, and don't say Jonathan Frakes. William, William T. Riker, commander. Okay, I have one thing that many of you don't know about me, and that's I'm a huge Star Trek Next Generation fan. Okay. Yeah, it stopped. I know that it stopped airing a long time ago. Yes, I still watch it. Yes, I've seen every episode multiple times. No, I do not have memorabilia hanging on my wall. No, I do not speak Klingon. Okay. I know you were wondering. But there's the three different wills we're going to talk about. I thought it's appropriate. Kaylee's so gracious, right? She hates it. She hates it. But every once in a while, I'll turn it on and she'll sit down next to me and I'm like, kind of watching it, and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> they're reconfiguring the sensor array so that when they blast the particle beam into the tachyon field, they're going to be able to see if there's cloaked Romulan ships. Are you even watching? <laughs> That's usually how she reacts, too. Does anybody else watch The Next Generation? Good. See? Way more people than I thought. You're all, you, now you're all outed and you're like, freedom, I can talk about it now. Yeah. Some of you guys are like, why didn't you put William Shatner up there? Right? 
Well, it's because I like Patrick Stewart more. So, sorry. All right. Now back to spiritual things. Sorry, Lord. Come back, Holy Spirit. First aspect to God's will that we're going to take those pictures down. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first aspect to God's will that we're going to talk about is what we refer to as his perfect will. Okay? Um, sometimes, uh, and this is, if you, if you have notes, this, when, we, when we talk about God's perfect will, this is what will happen. Okay? There's nothing that we can do to pray away God's perfect will. Can't fast it away, can't hope it away, can't wish it away, can't wait it away. You can hasten some of the things. We'll talk about that maybe. But they're going to happen, okay? Sometimes you might, if you're, if you're in a theological discussion, you might refer to this or hear this referred to as God's decorative will, meaning that which he has decreed, or even his sovereign will, okay? I like the word perfect will because it's what we find in Romans 12, 1 through 2, which says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what are some examples of his perfect will? Here's when we say, hey, what's, is it the will of God that Jesus come back and judge? Yes, it is. Is there anything that you can do to stop that? No. There's actually nothing that anyone can do to stop that. It will happen. Now, we can maybe hasten the day, right? But we're not going to change it. It's going to happen, okay? Uh, God has uh, decreed in his perfect will that his children will live, for him, live with him forever on the new earth. Is there anything that can change that? Absolutely not. He's also decreed in his perfect will, that those who die separate from him or not believing in Jesus as their savior are condemned to an eternity in hell. Is there anything that can change that? No. So is it God's will that these things happen? Yes, it is in his perfect decorative will. He has said this is the way it's going to be and that's the way it's going to be, okay? He said that Kyle was going to be born on what day he was born all those years ago, and it happened. Love it. All right. The important thing to walk away with from that first one, and his perfect will, is that nothing can change it, and I need you to hold on to that because when you, when you put it next to what we're going to talk about, these, the, the number two and number three, this is where you're going to be able to see where the confusion and convolution comes in if we just use the same word will for everything. Every single time we mean something, we just say, oh, it's God's will, it's God's will, it's God's will, it's God's will. We have to stop and actually define it, okay? Number two, what we call God's prescriptive will. Everybody say prescriptive. prescriptive. That's a tough one, but you did good. Um, this is what God desires in his heart to happen. This is what God earnestly wants, okay? Another, some other terms, again, that just, just in case you've heard these, if you haven't heard these terms, don't worry about them. If you've heard them and are wondering where they fit, you may also hear this referred to as his preceptive will, meaning having to do with his precepts or instructions, or even his, uh, des how do you say that word? Desiderative, desired, how do you say it, Glenn? 
desiderative, having to do with his desires. Can't remember the word. But, um, but anyways, if you've heard that, this is where it fits, okay? Prescriptive will. Obviously, I don't use that word. I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> but it has to do with his desires, okay? It has to do um, with what he wants. So here's one for you. Does God always get what he wants? He really doesn't. I, I grew up thinking he did. God always gets, there's many people you'll meet, brothers and sisters in Christ, who's like, of course God always gets what he wants. Every single thing that happens on this earth, he desires to happen or else it wouldn't happen. I, hey, I didn't come up with the teaching. I'm just saying it's there. And you're going to see where it comes from. Here we go. So, we have to be very careful with our terms. We know from Scripture, and we're going to see in just a second, that there's many things that he desires to happen that don't happen, or don't happen as regularly or as often as he'd like. And there's many things that he, that he desires not to happen that do happen, or things that he desires not to go on that do go on and continue. Okay? So, do we say, well, when that baby got murdered in that abortion... That was God's will. I don't say that, but I've heard it in, from Christians. I'm not trying to blame or point fingers. I'm just, I'm just, we, we just need to know. We just need to know that when we're having a conversation and you're talking about God's will and this person's talking about God's will, you may not be talking about the same thing. And I think it's important in these days to understand what we're talking about. Here's some examples of God's prescriptive will in Scripture. First Timothy, I think these will be up there. First Timothy 2, 3 through 4. The, the context here is praying for our leaders, actually praying for kings and those who are in authority over us. And he says to do that. And he says, this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. Everybody say all. all. People to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Do you know how many people all includes. Yeah, every single one of them. It's the, the easiest root word to understand. It does not mean all of a specific group of people. It does not mean all of the hearers of the letter. It just means all. So in God's heart, he desires that all people, but do all people, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. There's a sermon. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I love the redundance of redundancy in this verse, right? It was a joke, too. Um, thank you, Gina. <laughs> right on cue not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Well, do people perish without coming to repentance? They do. But it's not what he wants. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Please stand if you give thanks in all circumstances, all the time, always. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> I should sit down. Um, But it is God's desire. It is his will. This verse actually uses the term. It is his will that we give thanks in all circumstances. But sometimes we don't. 
Matthew 6, 9 through 10, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we pray. It's what we believe for. Is his perfect will in heaven always released on earth? It's not. But we're getting there. His will, as revealed to us in these verses and in many, many others, is something that we need to be aiming for, okay? So if I don't believe, as God, if I don't believe God's good and I don't believe that it's his will that all come to repentance, I won't love people the way that he does. If I, don't believe, if I believe that, well, this guy's probably reprobate, well, which is a big fancy term for condemned to hell, or I, I believe this guy's probably not one of the elect, so I'm not even going to preach the gospel to him. I mean, look at him. I mean, he does, I mean God's just already ordained that he's going to go to hell, so I need to just not even go there. If I don't believe that God loves him, why would I love him? Does that make sense? If I don't believe that it's God's will for me to give thanks in all circumstances, I'm going to complain all the time. If I don't understand the power of thanksgiving as it's revealed not only in Scripture but through experience, why would I strive to be thankful? Why would I choose this day to be grateful, Lord? Look at that. Cha-ching! Why, why would we do that? There's no reason to. If I don't understand the desires that are on God's heart, they're not going to be on my heart. If I think that it's God's will to unleash evil and pain, and suffering, and anguish, and frustration, and confusion. we got to go to the Word. He's not a God of confusion. So says the Word. Okay? If we don't, if we don't go and see who He is, we won't know how He feels, and we won't react accordingly. That is His prescriptive will, how He feels about something, what He desires. How many of you have asked, I just, don't, I just want to know what God's will is for my life? How many of you have asked that? Okay. Some of you mean, how does God feel about me? Some of you mean, when is he going to decide to let me do something I want to do? And some of you mean, what is God... And some of, some, just, just saying it, yeah. Um, some, of, some of you mean, what is God's plan for my life? Plan and will are two different Greek words that are used, okay? Um, and, and so... Maybe we, it's worth actually saying for a minute, I'll tell you what the Bible says that God's plan for your life is, is that you be radical lovers of him and of others and of yourself, and that you heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel, raise the dead, freely receive, freely give, and then you can do whatever you want after that. What, am I supposed to be a doctor? Or am I supposed to be a lawyer? I don't know. What do you want to be? Go do it and love people and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and preach the gospel, freely receive, freely give. I know, but should I take this job or that one? Which one do you want? Which one? Well, this one, they're not going to hire me. This one, they will. We don't even need to pray. <laughs> but I just want to know what God wants. He wants you to not be dumb. <laughs> he wants you to take the job that you... I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because so many times we just overcomplicate very simple things, okay? God's plan for your life is that you be a lover. God's plan for your life is that you release the kingdom 
on earth as it is in heaven. What you do beyond that, if you're desiring something that's sinful, that's not God's will. He doesn't desire that, okay? And so you shouldn't either. If you desire something that's, that's you know, contrary to one of his precepts, to one of his laws, to, to, to the word, that you're off track, okay? If, if you're desiring something that's good, then you pray for, you pray for wisdom, okay? Because that's, that's going to help you how you view it, right? That's going to help it how it goes through your filters and how it, it kind of disseminates in your brain and in your heart. Wisdom's going to help you, right? You ask for things like that. So many times we, we think that God's just going to show us a grand plan of our life. That's what we want, right? Because it doesn't require any faith if you know what's going to happen. And, but we say, Lord, just what's your plan for me? What's your plan for me? What's your plan for me? Okay? It, the exception is, is when he shows up and tells you a grand old plan, right? Because I've had it happen one time. All he told me was move to Texas and plant a church, right? And I was like, well, to what end? God? And that's all he said, right? But, but, beyond, but he, a lot of times, he, and you know what's funny? I wasn't asking. What to, I wasn't like, what's your plan? I want you to move. I was just like holding my kid, and he's like, you're going to move to Texas and plant a church. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. So when the Lord has something that he needs to reveal to you, he's going to reveal to you, you don't need, you don't need to, like, you know, storm it. What's the plan for my life, okay? All right. Now you know his will for your life. I don't mean to oversimplify because I understand that there's, I understand that there's issues and there's, you know, there's crossroads and I understand that there's, there's things that come up that you weren't thinking about and there's big decisions to be made. And we, I'm not saying do that independent of the Lord's help. The opposite of that, I'm saying we have to, or you're, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're walking into it with God already. So lean on that, Okay. People are like, well, I don't know if it's my thought or the Holy Spirit's thought. Well, if you're not living in an active, habitual sin, default that it's the Holy Spirit. If he lives in you, then you're 50% Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Don't write that down. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, default that if a thought comes into your head and it's not a bad thought, that he's partnering with you in that thought, okay? All right. All right, just last thing on his prescriptive will here is we want to partner. He's chosen in his sovereignty to partner with us to see his desires realized on earth, okay? We're supposed to read his word and seek him to find out how he feels about situations, how he feels about things that are going on in the church and in the world and in our families and things like that. When we do that, when we seek him, when we find out what his heart is, then we can effectively partner with what he wants, with what his will is for the church, for our lives, for on earth. We don't need, we're not tasked with developing some sort of theological approach or approach to theology to try to define and understand every single verse. Well, how can this paradox work in scripture? How can God say, well, you know, if you, if you, uh, those who don't believe in me are, are condemned, right? But I desire that, that no one not believe in me. You're like, well, Lord, if you desire that, just make everybody believe in you. That's what it seems to say, but it's not what it says. But we're not tasked with trying to make them all mesh and equal so they fit in a nice pretty box so we can be like, come to our little religious box ceremony. That's not, that's not what we're tasked to do, okay? So don't worry about it. I'll tell you what. If the Father 
hasn't revealed to the son the day that he's sending him back. Matthew 24, not even the son knows the day. Then there's some things that you're not going to know. And there's some things that I'm not going to know. Right? If the son has something kept, from, I mean, there's things that just we're just not going to know. So we lean into the things that we do know. All right, that's all on that. God wants everyone of his creation to come to salvation. That's his heart. Not all do, but he died for every person who would ever live. His atonement was not limited, and to say that it is cheapens the gospel. Number three, God, this is what I call God's permissive will, okay? This has way less to do with God permitting and has way more to do with us allowing, okay? God's permissive will includes our free will. It's what happens because of our free will. It's what happens because he no longer calls us slaves but friends, John 15, 15. It's what happens because we're sons, and sons know their father's business, and so they work together with him. In his complete sovereignty, he's decided to bring us into partnership with him. I don't know why. He loves us. Here's some examples. We can see this very clearly in Scripture. Genesis 2, 16 through 17, says, And the Lord commanded the man, Adam, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That was Adam and Eve's decision to make. And you'd be like, some people are like, It was God's will that man rebel. I've heard a sermon that's like, that's the title. It's God's will that man should have rebelled. Well, if you mean that in his permissive will, he gave Adam and Eve free will, then I agree with you. If you mean that he set up there in heaven with his confetti stick ready to pop it as soon as they ate the bad apple, like, oh, finally, this is what I wanted. That's wrong. Mark 8.34 says he called a crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The inverse of that verse is also true. Whoever doesn't want to be my disciple, don't take up your cross. Don't follow me. Total, totally up to you. He wants, he desires love. He desires relationship. If I go up to somebody and I hold a gun to their head and I say, love me, it's my will. And they're like, yeah, I love you. That's not love. Love involves choice. Revelation 3.20, <clears throat> excuse me, Revelation 3.20 says, here am I. I stand at the, this is Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus does not kick down the door. He doesn't barge in and take over. He stands and he knocks but you have the choice to answer the door and let him in or not. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's written, I'm sorry, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is your choice. You have free will. This is not, if you're going to take a note, or if you've been on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that for the last few minutes, come back for a minute. This is not 
God allowing things to happen. Do you know why? Because that phrase always passes, that phrase is to pass blame. That phrase is to, is to basically make me feel better about a situation, okay? When I said, how many of you have asked, and I've asked, you know, how could God allow this to happen, right? Because it's, there's, there's so much truth in there. You believe that God is so big that he could change and do anything, and that's true. Hold on to that. But when we place blame on God for something that's not God's fault, that's lazy. We got to really press in and kind of dissect this one. Instead of saying, how could God allow that? I challenge you, and this is where I've been for the last several years, to say, how could I allow that? How could we allow that? How could the church allow that? I heard someone say, how could God allow a place like Planned Parenthood to be such an influential organization in the United States? I said, how did the church allow it? How could a loving God allow this and that? How could a loving God allow these corrupt leaders in our government? How could a loving God allow this to happen to that child? How could a loving God allow that? The answer to all those questions is how did we allow it? So if we ever want to, if we're caught in that, that battle of don't, because I've heard this and please don't go there. But I've heard people say, like, well, it's God's will that Planned Parenthood be here. Well, it's God's will that that child got raped. Well, it's God's will that that, that family died. Well, it's just God's will is part of his plan. That's just lazy theology. It cheapens the atonement. It cheapens Jesus' heart. Perhaps we need a, a, even a better understanding of, of what the devil does. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. So many times when we see things destroyed, we go, God, how did you allow that? I'm sorry. I thought the devil was doing that. The devil was allowing it. <laughs> so many times we, we forget that though he came to steal, kill, and destroy, that Jesus came to destroy his works and to bring life and to restore and to redeem and to partner with us to see his heart's desire realized in the earth to release heaven on earth. Planned Parenthood doesn't exist in heaven. It's not going to exist in Texas pretty soon. Worship team, come back up, please. Don't think for one second that because I'm preaching this, that, well, everything, well, yeah, he doesn't understand because you know, he's a pastor, so everything's peachy for him. That would be really cool. I've been there where I wrestle 
I mean recently, where I wrestle with, Lord, I feel like you could have stopped this. <laughs> I feel like, you know, and, I'm, and I, all the while I'm going, I know that I know I have a part to play, but I feel like I couldn't have done much, you know. And, I mean, I did as much as I could, and things still went, you know, kind of haywire. And uh, I find myself limiting my scope on God, also limiting his scope on me. Like, I'm not the only person. I'm not the only kid in the family, right? I mean, your kids, right? We, we deal with this all the time. One kid will come up and be like, hey, can you and I just do this? Or like, hey, we're going we're gonna to make lasagna for dinner. Well, I don't like lasagna. You know what my answer is every time? Don't eat it. You can have breakfast tomorrow. Like, I don't give on that stuff. I'm just saying. But we're not, I'm not the only kid. I'm like, oh, Lord, you're right. Okay. I'm like part of a big family here, right? So like, I'm so, like you have such the micro view, like it's just me and Jesus, that's good. But we also need to have the macro view, like it's, hey, <laughs> we're like, there's a global church, right? There's people all across the planet that are part of the family. And in those situations, I try to take that macro view and realize that my things that I'm seeing and my world that I'm carrying around with me is just part of what's going on. I understand that it's tough, but the more we learn about God's character, the more we'll understand about how his will works. The more we learn about, the more we learn about what his heart's desire is, and as it, as it relates to and compares to the things that he's decreed, and as it relates and compares to our free will that we've been given, we'll, we'll have a much firmer grasp, much more confident understanding of how he works. Our task in partnership with the Holy Spirit is to carry on the works of Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is by learning what's important to Him. We've been given dominion over the earth. Let's bring heaven down here. Would you stand with me? Kind of go like, what do we do with all this information now? When I first started learning this stuff 10 or 12 years ago, it just undid everything in me. It was so good for me. I had to unlearn so much. Hopefully it's helped you. If it's helped you, let me know. If it's confused you, please let Pastor Glenn know. But we gotta know that God is good. We gotta meditate. Even take time today or this afternoon, meditate on whether or not we're actively been, we've actively, actively been placing blame on him for something or holding a grudge against him for something. How could you allow that? Why did you allow that to happen? Where I got freedom from this is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll go to our ministry time. Where I got real freedom from this, I'm sorry if I cry. When I, when I, sorry. We got time. We're okay. Some of you have heard this before. So, when, when I was in the hospital in 2013, uh, you know, that's another story. But, anyways, I had been very close to death several times. It was my fifth week in the hospital. And uh, I was depressed. Duh. And, uh, you know, had still had some of that like, well, it's God's will that I be 
sick and in this hospital bed and part of his plan somehow. Uh, but I had already decided weeks earlier that that didn't make sense. They didn't line up with his character. So I was like, well, I just, I just rebuke that. That's just not it. I'm getting attacked and I'm going to fight. But on week five, with only half my blood, and, you know, I was weak and, uh, you know, I wasn't asking for answers or anything, but I, I was laying on my hospital bed and I saw, or, and I had a, a vision, you know, probably the only one I've ever had. And it was as if I, you know, walked, if, if I'm laying in my hospital bed, it was if I was over here now, looking at my hospital bed with me on it. And, uh, you know, again, just set the context, I'm thinking that it, please, it pleases God somehow that I'm here. Okay, I know he loves me, but in some way that I don't understand, he's happy about me being here, and I need to learn to suck it up and live with it. And so I pan back, and I see me laying there, and that somehow I only saw, you know, me on the bed, if you can imagine. And then I, it pans back a little further, and uh, I saw Jesus. He's sitting behind me in the bed. And he's holding me, you know, like you'd hold one of your kids, you know. He's crying. <clears throat> but he's really, he's not scared. He's really confident but he's hurting. And so I understand instantly. He was just saying under his breath, I got it. And I got it. And I... I knew that it hurt him to see me there. That was a revelation that he hurt because I hurt and that he didn't want me in the hospital bed. It changed my life. The devil wanted me dead. that I could have life and be healed. And praise God, I'm healed. All right. If you find yourself believing in Jesus for the first time today, prayer team, please come forward. If you find yourself believing in Jesus for the first time today, come up and pray with somebody. If you haven't given your life over to Jesus, you need to do it today. He loves you so much. He is not mad at you. You have not scared him away. Your mess is tiny compared to the amount of stuff that he took up on the cross. And there is no time like the present to totally surrender your life to the Lord.
doesn't, you don't have to know all what it means. All you have to know is that Jesus is God, is that he died for you and rose again the third day, and that he makes intercession for you and he loves you. you if, if that's you, you come forward and talk to somebody this morning. If you want to be water baptized today, we can baptize you. we got the water heating up a little bit. If you believe in Jesus and you haven't been baptized in water, today's your day. If you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you desire to speak in tongues or have a prayer language, I want you to come forward. And if you desire to know what that is, come forward and ask one of these people up here. Okay, we'd love to lay hands on you and see you walk in greater power and greater anointing. If you need prayer for anything else, anything, these people would love to pray with you. They would love to pray with you and partner with you. So if it's physical, whatever it is, so Lord, we give this time to you right now. We bless your heart for River in the Hills Church right now in these next moments. Move on people right now to get out of their chairs and go and respond to what you are calling them to. Not what I'm calling them to. What you are calling them to, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, would you block out every voice that's not your voice, every sound that's not your sound, every distraction, Lord. Break in, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.